0: You are listening to a Hillbilly Horror Stories classic episode.
1: It's about to be a fun ride. Follow along, watch as we slide. Paranormal just hit the lights. Goosebumps all through the night. Mix in just a little bit. Podcast you won't ever change These two here they got the recipe Sat on back and listen in to some of our darkest mysteries eh Welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories And now here's your host Jerry and Tracy Pauling And their dog ninja Hey guys, it's Tammy Murhep Chavez. And
2: Bryce Mitchell Williams, we are the hosts of Hollyweird Paranormal. It's a podcast about Hollywood, true crime, and the paranormal based out of Los Angeles, California.
1: We spike this Hollywood cocktail with stories of true crime and its paranormal aftermath, along with dirty Hollywood scandals and secrets that make up this weird city of Hollywood and its surrounding areas that make up this crazy state of California.
2: Catch our episodes every Sunday on iTunes, Google Play, SoundCloud, Blueberry, and Stitcher.
1: Life is too short to be normal. Stay weird with Hollyweird Paranormal. All
2: right, but you mentioned a cocktail and now it's all in Craven.
1: Right, let's end this promo and get one. Yes. (sighs)
3: man.
0: and welcome to episode 77 of Hillbilly Horror Stories. I am Jerry, and I'm joined by Tracy, who is alive and well.
3: I'm alive. Oh. (laughs) 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 Well, what? (laughs) I'm happy I'm alive. Okay. (laughs) First of all, I want to thank everybody for your warm well wishes. You guys are so awesome and made me feel so great. I'm okay. I'm just... I need to take care of myself a little better. You know, I have heart problems, diabetes, all that fun stuff. So I got to get my crap together, in other words. But I did have to go to the hospital because it scared me. So anyway, I just wanted to say thank you guys for your um, prayers and your messages. It meant a lot to me.
0: Yeah, we greatly appreciate everybody's concern. It was very nice on all the all different platforms of social media we had, from Twitter to Instagram to uh, Carrier Pigeon. There's a lot of people. <laughs> a lot of people were um that were thing asking, had a poop isn't? on
3: my head. <laughs> Not really. No, really, guys. Thank you. I love you all so much and um so hopefully I'll be healthier. I've been on this little thing now for about three or four days and I've done good. I haven't had any salt. I haven't salted the crap out of my food. So that's a big deal for me.
0: Absolutely true. She eats enough salt where I would have thought that she has probably steaks in the Morton's company. Hmm. Love salt. So let's get into uh This subject today, we've got a bunch of cool stuff going on today. We're going to do Haunted Tombstone, Mm -hmm. and that's going to include a lot of different places in Tombstone, including the uh, Birdcage Saloon, so I'm excited about that. Uh, We're going to have Amy Bruni on tonight's show, an awesome awesome interview we, we did with her the other night. And as usual, we're going to start off by thanking all of our veterans and our military and all of our civil servants all over the world, no matter what country you represent.
3: We love you guys. Still praying every day. Praying for your heart, babe. Love y'all.
0: And we got the uh, some iTunes reviews, a boatload of iTunes reviews, and Tracy's going to read them, and some of these she's going to have fun with.
3: Oh, my gosh. We got so many. We did.
0: That's awesome. Why don't we read them?
3: Okay. <laughs> All right. Kath KC, Brook 77 Bag Habit. I don't know what that is. I don't know. Oh, it's cool, though. Now, this is either Thump in Kentucky, which it probably is, or maybe it's Thump Northern Kentucky. I'm just guessing. I don't know. Either way, I love it. <laughs> Edit my nicknames Fire Dog 5136.
0: Which, once again, he is a retired firefighter. Uh, so we want to go ahead and give you some extra kudos.
3: Oh, heck yeah. Thank you for your service. Appreciate you. Vic Mosco, J.Nay S.S. John. Sunny Skies, Italy 60, True Jamie, Charles 26, Coffee Loving Chrissy, Anthony, Verong-
0: Anthony Alvaringa.
3: Oh, my gosh. Sorry, Anthony. Let me do it again. Anthony Alvaringa, because <laughs> I'm telling you why I'm going to say that in a minute. And Jay Con. And I saved this one for last. Please forgive me, is all I got to say. Her- <laughs> wait. <laughs> <laughs> Parodies, Gracia, Do, zero zero, and whoever you are, I love you, and I am so sorry if I butchered that name. I'll, I apologize, but thank you guys. This is amazing. That was a, like a butt ton of iTunes reviews. Isn't that great?
0: That's fantastic.
3: And then we had some Patreon supporters that added this week: Annika, Arv. Lauren Keller, Troy Kaufman, Emma Alsop, and Perry Finch. You guys rock, let me just say. I had a lot of fun doing that.
0: That was awesome. That was a bunch. I want to give some special um, accounts on there. Anthony Alvarenga. uh, We've mentioned Anthony a bunch on the show. Love you, buddy. But it can never be said enough.
3: I said love you, buddy, and then you said but.
0: No, well, that's because you interrupted me as I usual. Did.
3: I did interrupt you, I'm so sorry.
0: it did not correspond with what you were saying. Okay, great. But Anthony has helped the show tremendously, and some of the bigger breaks that we got in the very beginning, he had a big hand in. He so sure did. Uh, I, I don't want to, you know, ever think. I, don't, I wouldn't want him to ever think that we've forgotten.
3: Oh my gosh, anything no.
0: that he's done for us. So I just wanted to make it a point, uh, since we haven't mentioned him in a while, to yeah. say, "Hey, Anthony, we still love you."
3: We do love you, honey. You and need to write to And somewhere. there's no butt.
0: As she was <laughs> Yeah, I
3: know. I kinda
0: And we're not saying we love your butt.
3: Well, I might love your butt. I don't know. I've seen know. it. We don't know. Shoot me a screenshot. No, I'm just kidding. <laughs> <laughs> <Yeah>. <laughs>
0: just and it, kidding. And uh the Patreon stuff, we went over a hundred patrons. Woo! that's amazing. So we're, we're actually at hundred and three right now. You guys rock, we can't thank you enough. And uh, we're just going to start pumping some more stuff into that. With that being said, the first is Thursday. We're going to be putting out our Patreon listener stories episodes. If you are listening right now and want to come on the show, I'm going to record these Monday, Tuesday, Wednesday night. So I have three nights to get this in. So uh, if you want to have a story on there, especially if you've not told one of the stories on here, and you don't have to be a Patreon supporter to tell your story. I don't want to make it sound like anybody can tell their story. It's going to the Patreon show, not the regular show. But if you guys have a story and want to tell it on the air, send us an email or send us a message. Uh, Make sure you join our Facebook group. Hillbilly Horror Stories group, we're almost to 400 members. Oh,
3: I know, it and it's so, like, so exciting. And it's really
0: fun. It's a lot more fun than I thought it would it be. It is so. a lot
3: of fun. I hope that we hear from you guys. I would love to hear your stories. The more, the better.
0: And we've got a whole bunch of people that bought stuff this week from the oh, store. Oh my gosh, so, we did. So actually go to, if you want to if you want to buy stuff, or if you want to become a patron and get a bunch of extra episodes, then just go to our page, hillbillyhorrorstories.com, and their store is there. And also the Patreon link is there, so you could do either one from that page.
3: And then I think we changed the design up a little bit on the T-shirts.
0: We we're, do we're
3: trying to work on that.
0: Yeah, but we've got a new design, but it's not available just yet for yeah. the rate you know, for to, to be able to purchase. We're still working on some stuff. So, but
3: it's sort of like the T-shirts that we had on today.
0: Yeah, if you if you looked on social media, we posted it on the group and on the page and on Twitter. But it's you know we're going to be able to work on some different styles closer to that than the just squared off design that we've used. Yeah, going forward. So, are we ready to jump into this? I'm ready. Okay, because this is going to be a very fun show. I promised a lot of you that this would be uh, one of the best shows that we've done. And and after looking at all the research, I think we're going to be. <laughs> the actually, longest. Actually, it may be pretty long. I've got more. I talk about notes all the time. I've got over 30 pages of notes for the first time.
3: For the first story?
0: No, for the first oh, time. Oh, for the first time. No. And Because Damn. we're going to talk about a whole lot of different places. So, it's a whole haunted town. Therefore, I thought, you know, and I guess I got I need to fix this up front, too. I had released on, like, several different episodes and on social media that we were going to do Tombstone and Carl Tanzler this week. And that was the intention. But to be honest with you, there was so much stuff on Tombstone, I didn't want to shorten it and add Tansler to this deal. So I put a little extra effort into Tombstone, and we'll do Tansler next week.
3: Wish you weren't a liar.
0: Well, that's what it boils down to. All right, so Tombstone is actually in Cochise County, Arizona, and it was founded in 1879 by a prospector by the name of Ed Shefflin. I probably mispronounced; it might be Shefflin, but I think it's Shefflin. Now he actually named it Tombstone because uh, when being a prospector, he was going to go in that part of the desert. And there really wasn't much going on in the desert at that time. But he was going to go out there and start prospecting for silver. And the people that he had told that where he was going to, uh, they said, the only thing you're going to catch out there is a tombstone. Oh. <laughs> Pretty much because they said that he was just going to die out there because that's, you know, there wasn't a lot known about the desert and it really would not the easiest place uh, weather-wise to be.
3: What happened to Glass Half Full?
0: Well, I don't think they you
3: know. oh, they probably wish they
0: had a glass half full, <laughs> yeah
1: <in the> desert.
0: <laughs> <laughs> and so anyway, he thought it was funny when he got out there, and he actually hit some silver mines, oh he and, did yeah, this place ended up booming it was a big boom, silver boom out there it's, but he named the the town tombstone mm-hmm. more or less as a joke as yeah. to what they what the guy said, kind of a you know in your face, yeah haha uh-huh. much, pretty much. So the people who told him it wouldn't amount to anything were completely wrong. It grew from 100 people to 14,000 in just under seven years. It produced over $40 million in silver bullion, which was the best in Arizona out of any mining camp. Wow. So it's obviously the most famous for the gunfight at the O.K. Corral. Everybody who seems to know that, even if they're not 100% sure it was in Tombstone. And today it is a major tourist attraction. So that's Tombstone in a nutshell tombstone was like many other wild west towns back then it had a very violent history so you could imagine Mm -hmm. tombstone is without a doubt the most haunted city in arizona all the ghost hunters and everything have been out there and just in the town in general but some of the more specific places like the Burge k theater that we'll talk about a little bit later so where do you start when the whole town's haunted i thought we would start with the streets themselves okay so it's said that several spirits can actually be seen walking the streets of Tombstone, uh, one of which is Marshal Fred White. Now, he was accidentally shot and killed by Curly Bill Brocius on October 28, 1880, and Curly Bill Brocius was the leader of the Cowboy Faction. Now, we're going to talk a lot tonight about the Cowboy Faction, and just to make sure everybody is clear uh, what this was, when you think Cowboy today... You've got a certain image in your head. You Mm -hmm. probably think anybody out west has got a cowboy hat and cowboy boots, and all through that time were cowboys. Mm -hmm. But in this time in the 1880s, that wasn't really the case. Cowboys was kind of a dirty word because when you thought cowboy at this time, it was more like these people were rustlers. Yeah. So they were more the um, the rowdy, the uh, uh, not law abiding and citizens of the, of the city and pretty much thieves and stuff. So mm-hmm. they were almost like bad gang members. Yeah. That's what cowboys were thought to back then. So when I say cowboy faction uh, that that's more or less what I mean. They're more or less the cowboys are more or less the outlaws. Oh. So just like the Dallas Cowboys football team. Anyway Ooh. so that's what happened. Now so we're talking about that That uh, Fred Marshall was accidentally shot. He was the first marshal of Tombstone. Mm-hmm. And he had the respect, actually, of most of the cowboy gangs, and one of which was the Clanton's gang, which we'll talk a lot about throughout the night. And uh, he actually had so much respect that he arrested a lot of these guys and had very little problem doing it. So this was a guy that you know, like I said, even though he was pretty much the enemy to them, they respected him enough that he All gave him right. a lot of fits. On October twenty eighth, early in the morning, Curly Bill and some of his buddies were actually having a good old time. They were shooting up the town. And Marshall White decided that he was going to try to disarm one of the gunmen, and he was accidentally shot in the groin. That sounds painful.
3: He didn't need that old thing anyway, did he?
0: Yeah. Well, I know I wouldn't need mine. (laughs) It was thought that that he was going to make a full recovery, but unfortunately, he died two days later. Oh, man. Well, that's that great medical care of 1880. Oh, oh, of
3: course, yeah. I'll now, just spit on it; it'll heal. <laughs> yeah,
0: he supposedly haunts the street in front of where he was actually shot. It was an empty lot back then, but about a year later, they actually built the Birdcage Theater on it. You're going to hear a lot of these same things keep coming because, keep in mind, Tombstone was a little bitty town. Mm-hmm. It's not like it was these, you know, a big area. It's basically a couple of streets. So another spirit that's frequently seen is a man in a long black frock coat. You know what a frock coat is? Yes. Tell me.
3: Is it a long black
0: coat? I already said that. It's Uh-oh. a long black frock. Coat. <laughs> it has the
3: fringes on it with the thing in the back.
0: Yeah, it's it's like the big, big almost like, thing? almost like the trench coats that you would see, but it would go. They would go all the way to the ground, and a lot see, of times I they run button. Kind you know, of, kind of. So he's often seen in the spot where Virgil Earp was ambushed and crippled for life when he was shot in the arm.
3: Virgil Earp. Virgil. What kind Earp? of name is that?
0: It's Wyatt's brother. Wyatt oh, that's brother. it's Wyatt. Mm-hmm.
3: Well. Virgil Earp
0: sounds dumb. So he's he's actually seen trying to cross the road, but he never makes it across the road. That's what leads many people to think that it's actually Virgil Ope's, Earp's ghost. I said Virgil Ope. Virgil <laughs> Earp's ghost. Aww. And, of course, there's a lady in white because there's in every is? story. Uh, there's a lady in a long white dress that said that um, her child supposedly died of yellow fever in the 1880s, and she was devastated and she shortly after took her own life.
3: Aww.
0: So and then there's another person that says that that lady is actually uh, a madam of a brothel and she's actually walking the streets looking for her executioners cuz she was actually hung. <gasps> Really? For being, for being
3: that?
0: I don't know if that's why she was hung, but she was a madam and she was hung. Uh-huh. I don't, I doubt that they hung her for that because this was kind of accepted back then. Yeah. Um, but she walks the street looking for executioners, which I think is pretty cool because even in death, she's still a streetwalker. <laughs> 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 yeah, that's dedication right That
3: there. is dedication.
0: Now, uh, you know, I always think it's funny, too, that every time you hear one of these lady in white stories, mm-hmm. in almost every case, they're searching for a child they lost. Isn't, it? In Isn't almost every time. That's so true. So I don't know that that's really what happens, but
3: yeah, but it does. That does seem
0: to be what's tied to it. Now there's also two two major fires that happened in Tombstone, and these fires killed over 40 men. Oh, so you got those. So the first one was in June of, of 1881, and the second was in May of 82. So they weren't less than a year apart, and both of the fires wiped out most of the major portions of the business district of right there.
3: Dang, that's a shame. Yeah,
0: um, most of the men actually died inside the saloons and the brothels because they were so crowded there were so many people in this little town every place you went was like packed Mm -hmm. wall-to-wall people so when these things burned to the ground people just couldn't get out they were probably
3: too drunk to even know what going on and
0: that's possible too or they were balls deep well
3: that's terrible isn't that terrible and yes. they don't even have to open a dang door. All they had to do was do the the,
0: the saloon, door the saloon doors.
3: That's pretty sad.
0: <laughs> so tourists were often could Wait, talk-
3: they could have crawled out. They could have crawled underneath the saloon door. Some of them could have. There's way. only
0: still so many people you can fit out of a door at the same time. If you got 300 people in a little place and you open the door up, you can still only fit so many people out at a time. True. Okay. Sorry. Can I continue? Yeah, maybe. Thank you. Thank you. Tourists will actually talk about seeing men in the street with uh, really noticeable burns on them. Mm -hmm. And then they also report like a real uh, strong burning smell for no reason whatsoever. Like there's nothing burning in the area, but they could smell the burning smell. So it's almost like reminiscent of when the fires happen. So, and they, you know, it's just, I don't know, just the thought of of people burning alive. Yeah, that's such
3: a sad thing.
0: So let's talk about, now that covers the streets, let's talk about some of the buildings, and there's plenty of buildings. And the first one I chose to talk about is the Buford House. Now, in the 1880s, this home was made out of adobe. You know what adobe is?
3: I don't. Adobe is a speaker.
0: That's not adobe. What is it? You're thinking about, you're thinking about like, uh, it's like a stereotype setting. Yeah. But that's adobe, not (laughs) adobe. Adobe is like, a mud-type brick. Oh, I didn't know that. And and a, an adobe-type house is like you'll see with all the rounded tops and stuff yeah. like in the Spanish right. architecture. Yeah, so that's what I didn't this know what was. that is. Sorry. Okay. It's now a bed and breakfast, and it uh, supposedly haunted by George Buford. He was actually a gold prospector back in the late 1800s, and he lived in the home with his father. Now, he actually fell in love with a girl named... Um, Petra. Well, her name was actually Cleopatra, mm-hmm. but they called her Petra. Mm-hmm. So that's what she's better known as. But he fell in love with her. She lived across the street, and this love didn't last too long, unfortunately, mainly because George shot her.
3: Well, what? How
0: do you going Well, <laughs> well, but, George was a George was a, a prospector, so he was look. Scaldies. There's not
3: even no in between. There's no talking about it. <laughs> If you don't like it, bam, you're dead, and just move on. Well,
0: there's more to the story than that.
3: Well, good grief.
0: But George actually was a prospector who, like, would take these long trips. And one time he took a long trip, he came back.
3: So, in other words, he's a hoe. He's He's
0: out working, trying to bring home the bacon.
3: Oh. Sure. gold.
0: So, he's out there, and he comes back from this long trip, and they decided that uh, him and and, uh, Petra and some of their friends were all going to go out for a while, having some time on the town. So they did that, but on the way back home, Petra actually decided she was going to walk home with another guy. Well, this pissed George off, and he became very reclusive and despondent.
3: Oh, that's why he shot her?
0: Well, she came over to talk to him, and then he shot her twice, and then he shot himself. Now, George didn't make it. Petra did. She survived, but Mm -hmm. George died. Sorry. So both the owner and the guests have seen him walking around inside and outside the house. The doorbell rings in the middle of the night. People report knocks on the walls, faucets turning off, um, and then strange lights that appear inside the building. Ghosts must have a fascination with water, too. There's a lot of faucets turning off and on. That's they have recordings. faucets back in the day? This, well, some of these places did back in. especially. I, mean, when, I, know,
3: I don't know. I hope that's not a dumb question. I just don't, don't yeah, think of that, did. I guess. It's a dumb question.
0: No, it's not a dumb question. Oh. I'm just saying no because some of this stuff out and when you get to like 1880s, I don't know where they've got plumbing yeah. and all that stuff. But you, you'll find in some when we start talking about the hotel mm-hmm. eventually, what well, it was a, it's a bar now, a restaurant, but it used to be a hotel and it had a lot of the modern conveniences. It actually had toilets and it had hot oh.
3: and cold running water well, and good all for that them. stuff.
0: So, but um, women report somebody touching their hair and stroking the back of their necks inside the place. So, that's assumed to be George's. That'd be also. okay. I guess.
3: I don't want to mind somebody touching my neck.
0: And... It's not what I heard. So, what do you mean? the What? Huh? So, Sheeflin Hall is the next place we're going to talk about. It was built in 1881, and the whole point of this was to bring culture to Tombstone. Because, like I told you, it's kind of a Wild West type town. Uh, Al Schieflin actually built this, and he was Ed's brother, the one who actually discovered Tombstone. Okay. It was a first class opera house for several decades, and it actually gave a theater alternative to the Birdcage Theater where proper people wouldn't be seen. Mm. Because as we get into the Birdcage a little later, you're going to find it was like the roughest, yeah. rowdiest type of crowd. And so, you know, if you wanted to go to a, a nice show or something, this would be the place to go. And that was the whole point of it being built. Now, when it opened in June of 1881, it was the largest building in Tombstone and the largest adobe building anywhere in the Southwest. Cool. So, pretty cool. It became the most uh, noted theater between San Antonio and San Francisco. Uh, theater troops would come as far away as from New York City and. They would actually have boxing matches there. They would have uh, balls. They would have uh, lectures and stuff like that. So they did a little bit of everything there, okay. any type of entertainment. So when Tombstone's heyday was over, it really affected uh, Scheiflein Hall without a doubt. And by the early 1900s, they were um, showing moving pictures. So, And I, didn't, oh, I wasn't yeah. even thinking about the fact that the movies were actually starting in the early yeah. 1900s, too. And for the next fifty years the hall would be used mainly as a Masonic lodge.
3: Very that that's good.
0: Yep. It gradually fell into disrepair and today it's fully restored and it's uh full of spirits.
3: Oh, wow, that sounds I wonder I mean I wonder if people experience those on an everyday basis, I wonder.
0: Pretty much. So we're gonna get into a few of those in a some say that this building is actually one of the most haunted, but overlooked buildings in Tombstone.
3: Why is it overlooked?
0: Because like places like the Birdcage and all oh. those kind of kind of get mentioned ahead okay. of time. On several occasions, people say that they could hear chains or or possibly spurs rattling around inside the building, especially during city council meetings, which are regularly uh, occur in that building.
3: Uh-huh.
0: So maybe they just don't like what's going on for the city council meetings because those things can get kind of rowdy.
3: Yeah. And
0: it probably reminds them of back in the day. Oh,
3: I'm sure. So a lot of people hear it at the same time, I guess, during the meetings maybe.
0: Mm -hmm. So the next place we're going to talk about is Big Kate's Saloon. Now, this actually has two different names. It's Big Kate's Saloon and Big Nose Kate's Saloon. Big Nose? Big Nose Kate's Saloon. Oh, darn. Kate must have had a Big Nose. I don't know. I didn't see any pictures. But this is a really popular saloon even today. But it started as the Grand Hotel in September of 1980. And this is the hotel we were talking about earlier. It was a luxury hotel and listed as the best hotel in the state of Arizona. It had thick carpeting and it had beautiful paintings, like expensive paintings hanging on the wall. It had solid walnut furniture and 16 bedrooms.
3: Wow, that sounds amazing. Yep
0: three elegant chandeliers were in the, the lobby, hot and cold running water, and during the first few years that, that it was open, the hotel had some of Tombstone's most famous residents and guests, including Wyatt and Virgil Earp, Doc Holliday, and the Clanton Gang. They would stay there on a regular basis. So Ike Clanton and the two McClory brothers were actually registered the night before the uh, OK Corral fight. Oh. So they stayed there right before they got shot.
3: You mean they only got to, the, well, they only got to enjoy one night.
0: Well, I'll I mean, sure they said before. I mean, before, before but. but still. So a cool story well, here. got their money back. <laughs> I'm just kidding. <laughs> I don't know why they would. They got to sleep. <laughs> so a cool story here is about uh, the Swamper. And he was actually a janitor at the at this hotel. And he got a free room in the basement as part of his pay.
3: Well, that's nice.
0: Well, everybody said he had a great personality. He was super nice. Uh, and the basement was actually below the streets of Tombstone. And also below the streets of Tombstone were... All of the mines.
3: Okay, I don't think I'd want to stay there. Never mind. That sounds well, so scary.
0: Well, it wasn't scary for him because what he did was, in, in the back of his room, since it was in the basement, he dug a hole and dug a tunnel, and he connected it to the mines. And he would just go right from his room into the mines, and he was taking silver. Oh! <gasps> He actually found a big silver vein, and he was taking silver from the mines and bringing it back to his room. And there are people who actually think that it's hidden somewhere under Kate's Saloon even today. Wow. So the hotel actually burnt down during the fire of 1882. And when it burnt down, the only thing that was really left was the basement and there was like these because I told you it was like an Adobe type deal. This one was just like the other one with all the fancy arches. The ar- there's like seven arches. They were all left.
3: Why does all this stuff burn down?
0: Well, because everything back then, for the most part, was made out of wood, and they were all close to each other. they were only you know all connected like each other. So if something caught on fire, it just yeah. Well, right I mean, through. I guess I just I mean this shame. was even back like the big the fire in Chicago mm-hmm. and all that stuff in the Great Chicago Fire. That that was the same situation back yeah. then. Everything was made out of wood, hmm. so. And little pigs were blowing shit down, and until they started making them out of brick, <laughs> so <laughs> that might not have happened. I don't think so. But anyway, so the hotel burned down, and the only thing left was was like I said, the, the seven arches. arches. And uh, but there was also a big, long, elaborate bar, a wooden bar that was that was left for people to drink at. It actually survived. It.
3: Well, now how does that happen? Well,
0: most of the uh, most of the, this building actually collapsed. Yeah. Into, it didn't burn, it mainly collapsed into oh. the basement area. So it didn't really get as much affected by the fire as some of the stuff. So there's been, uh, in Kate's saloon today, there's actually been a lot of changes. So wait,
3: so, did the guy that lived in the basement die? I don't know. I mean, all that crap fell on him. Well, he
0: eventually died. It was 1880. I'm what sure what he's not I, alive today.
3: Well, that's true. It'd I just be, wonder, you know, though, if he was like down there and stuck down there when that happened. I have no idea. No.
0: Wouldn't part of the story.
3: Well,.
0: But he's dead and he haunts the place he's here now. That much I do know. Okay. But the saloon has the original bar in it today from the one mm. that burnt oh, down. Oh, so wow. And there's actually only two of those bars in the whole city uh, that actually made it. And the other one uh, that survived all that. And the other one is at the birdcage.
3: I would so, love to see that.
0: Yeah, it's pretty cool. There's there's cool pictures of it. And let's see. the um, In the basement now is a gift shop. But the tunnel to the mine Still exists. So they it's didn't still close it up. No, no, still there. And so we obviously were talking about the Swamper because he allegedly haunts the place. So I thought we would bring him up again. Staff and visitors have had experiences with him. He has appeared in photos, and it's said that he kind of roams the halls and stairways, and of course in the basement. That's the place that's most active, and of course that's where he lived.
3: You mean like in a like a photo bomb?
0: Yeah, like a photo bomb.
3: Now that will be amazing. I'm just saying.
0: So the legend says that he did the, uh, hit all the silver on the property and they think he returns to protect it. Basically. I can't
3: believe nobody's found that. Mm
0: -hmm. They say there's some cowboy spirits that have actually been seen at the bar standing in the doorways. And at least one instance knocking over cases of beer in the basement. (laughs) Other witnesses have actually said that they can hear people singing and talking in deserted rooms. Things are always falling to the floor uh, without anything anything to knock it there. Doors open and close, lights turn on and off, and silverware has been known to fly off of the tables.
3: Hmm.
0: So. They uh, have one of these false balconies you know, out front that looks like a balcony, but there's really no access to it. Oh, it's just uh-huh. strictly for yeah. looks. And they've got mannequins up there just for the looks of it. Mm-hmm. And they said that they'll, they'll come in and the mannequins have been moved. And uh-huh. Even though there's no access to it. I but mean, there's you know, access because they put them up there, but yeah. there's no regular access. But these mannequins moved. And then there's been times where the mannequins have actually been thrown off the uh, balcony and, and laying on the ground underneath of it.
3: Mm. I mean, just imagine if ghosts didn't do anything. They just float around, hanging around.
0: Well, they'd probably get bored.
3: Well, that's what I'm saying. They have to do something to keep themselves entertained.
0: Uh, You can hear footsteps and voices uh, heard in the basement when nobody is down there. Areas in the saloon uh, have also have uh, people experience like really extreme cold spots Mm -hmm. and gusts of cold air for no reason whatsoever. So they get a nice little breeze down there. when There's no reason for a breeze. Uh, Lots of the camera malfunctions and hazy forms show up in pictures. And in one case, the building owner and a bunch of the employees were actually... exploring that tunnel that was still connected down there. And they said that they found out that it led to the old tough nut mine. How about that for a name? Tough nut. Mm-hmm. They made it, they, they kind of traveled through and they went all the way till they seen where it converged with the old mine. Yeah. And then they started coming back and they said right about the time that they got back where it met the tunnel he had dug and the mine converged they actually could hear somebody walking down the stairs that led down to the tunnel. Oh. And so they assumed obviously that somebody was in the building. So they came out of the tunnel and started kind of searching around the place. It was completely empty and the doors were all still locked. So there's no way anybody could have been in there. Other occurrences include female um, employees, mainly it's the, I don't know why I don't have to guess, but female employees getting pushed off the last step of the stairwell. So they just, like, they get to that last step, and somebody pushes them off. I don't know why it's just the females. but And another female said that she had cold and clammy hands around her throat at one point, almost like it was going to strangle her.
3: Oh, yeah, I wasn't like that. You can rub my neck, but don't be trying to choke me.
0: (laughs) There's a couple little quick places. There wasn't really a whole lot uh, on these places to do, like, a whole little story on them, Mm -hmm. but they're just, like, individual stories. But um...
3: Would you go through that tunnel? Oh, yeah. Oh, really? I see, I don't think I could.
0: Yeah, it's just a tunnel.
3: Nah, there's too much happening down there.
0: (laughs) So a ghost haunts a room 119 of the old Tombstone Hotel. Uh, A man named Henry supposedly hung himself there, and now he just kind of roams around the place, supposedly, and causing objects to move and just a standard opening and closing and Mm -hmm. lights flickering. There's a man in a frock coat. That's actually seen near the uh, uh, the old Wells Fargo Bank, just walking up and down the street in front of it. Uh, people claim right there in that area that they can see stagecoaches and stagecoach drivers and cowboys in front of the uh, CS Fly um, Studio. It's like a, they've they've remade it to uh, make it look like it, and they neat. can and they can see people, you know, like out there congregating, and they can actually smell perfume in oh, that area. Wow. And then uh we've got the next place we're gonna talk about, and this one will come up twice tonight, it's the Crystal Palace Saloon. Now the ghost of Big Nose Kate. I feel so bad calling her that.
3: I know. I feel so bad. So
0: the, the but the ghost of big nose Kate supposedly haunts this place. And when she lived in Tombstone, she loved this saloon, and this was the saloon she would go to all the time. And the staff actually reports objects that mysteriously moved from one location to the other. Mm-hmm. And obviously the lights turn off and on. They have gambling wheels in there that will spin on their own without anybody touching them. And then other people have seen phantom cowboys sitting at the bar. So that's kind of cool, just walking there and see a cowboy sitting at the bar.
3: That's very nice.
0: Okay, Corral. You know it's got to be haunted with the big shootout mm-hmm. being there. You know that thing only took like 30 seconds? That's the whole it? Shootout, 30, I mean, I guess if you're getting shot at, 30 seconds is probably a Probably long a long time. <laughs> but... <laughs> But you would think what as famous as that is.
3: <laughs> yeah, it would last a little longer.
0: Right. So the OK Corral, it's the site of the most famous gunfight in the Old West, and, and I'm sure that we probably have some listeners that aren't familiar with it, so I'll give you just a little bit of background on it. This is what made a legend out of Wyatt Earp, flat up. So tension was actually brewing between the Earps, and uh, the Earps were kind of the good guys mm-hmm. in this area, and in the Cowboy faction, which we talked about earlier for a long time. Uh... Virgil Earp, we talked about earlier, he was now the marshal, and he determined that he was going to disarm these these men in October 26th of 1881, and it resulted in the infamous 30-second shootout. When it was all over, Frank and Tom McClary, who we talked about spending the night, and Billy Clanton were dead. Now, the mm-hmm. Clanton uh, gang was like the biggest gang for the Cowboys, and the Earps were the biggest yeah. group for the other side. So that's who this main shootout was with. So they're also involved uh, in this, the shootings were Ike Clanton, Billy Claiborne, and Wes Fuller for the Cowboys. And the Earp Party actually had Wyatt Earp and Virgil Earp. And then they had another brother named Morgan Earp who was part of it and the infamous Doc Holliday. So that was who was involved in this shootout. Today the OK Corral is actually haunted by all of these dead cowboys.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: And the, the people will see um, like fading apparitions of cowboys with their guns drawn. So it's like they'll see them and then it just kind of disappears. Yeah. slowly disappear.
3: And that's why they're dead. Yep. They weren't fast enough. <laughs> exactly.
0: <laughs> so people actually feel uh numerous cold spots there, and that's about it. You would think there'd be a little more, but there's really not as much mm-hmm. there as you would well, think. Well,
3: I mean, what you think? I mean, shoot, you're dead, that's it.
0: Yeah. Done. So then we're gonna go straight to another of the one of the biggest actually tourist attractions, there Boot Hill Graveyard. It's called Boot Hill Graveyard, because many of the people actually died with their boots on. And you'll hear a lot of that talking about westerns and yeah. b- movies and stuff about dying with their boots on. There's more than 250 people that are buried there, and it was primarily used from 1878 to 1884. It was originally called the Tombstone Cemetery. People buried there included the ones killed at the O.K. Corral, Marshal Fred White, that we talked about earlier, a man called George Johnson, who was actually hanged by mistake. Hung. No, hanged, had been hung.
3: Oh. It would be
0: past participle. Sorry. We're not going to get an English lesson okay. here, though. And then we had uh, five men who were actually hired for the uh, very vicious murder at the time. It was called the Bisbee Massacre. And then uh, there was a gunfighter by the name of Charlie Stone that's actually buried there. So there's a lot of famous people. Yeah. There. Now, everybody from lawmen, to outlaws, to prostitutes, to prospectors are all buried in that that place. That was pretty much the only place to bury people back then, and uh, some of them buried. They didn't even have their real names. Oh, they didn't have they didn't have a name at all, so they're just in a in a unmarked grave, or they just knew them by their nickname. But you know, I guess during this time that was.
3: Well, at least they were all together in one
0: spot. Yeah, I'm sure that's exactly where they wanted to be. Couldn't stand each other, and <laughs> well. they were very next to each other for eternity. So over the years, it actually fell into really bad disrepair. And several of the wooden tombstones, keep in mind, some of these tombstones were wooden. That's what we put up for Halloween decorations, and they don't oh, even Oh, I know, yeah. I couldn't imagine. So they have these wooden tombstones that were either knocked over, or they completely decayed, or people took them as souvenirs.
3: Oh, my gosh. I would so, not have the balls to do that.
0: And it wasn't referred to as Boot Hill Graveyard until 1929 when the town had its first, um, it was called Hell Dorado Days mm-hmm. in 1929. I guess it was like a festival or something. Mm-hmm. And that's when people started calling it that. So even though the people really liked this place, it still stayed pretty much neglected until the 1940s. And then that's when it started being restored. Um, today it's actually one of Tombstone's most popular tourist attractions and pretty popular with the dead people too, apparently.
3: I so, wonder, I mean, <laughs> how, what did they do to restore it?
0: I don't know. I have no idea. So Billy Clanton, who was killed at the O.K. Corral is said to do rise from his grave before walking along the road back to Tombstone. And a lot of the strange, um, Things that happen here involve pictures. Uh, almost everybody who takes pictures here has at least one or two of them show up with some kind of ghostly image in them.
3: haha oh, how awesome is that?
0: Pretty cool. So before we go on, I wanted to uh, mention a couple of things real quick. We did a promo at the beginning of the show for Holly Weird Paranormal, and that's a great show. It's pretty new. There's only like three episodes out, but it's worth listening to. So if you guys... Um, like that kind of thing as i know you do because that's why you're listening here you should listen to it because i think you really enjoy uh these folks they're perfect and uh i get to talk to them on a regular basis and we shoot back and forth ideas and i'll, I'll get them on the show eventually but hollywood paranormal check them out i think you'll like it sounds great another new one that i found and i haven't talked to, to th- this guy at all but there's a uh it's pretty new. It's only been out for, I think, since November. But it's called Family Ghost, and I thought it was a paranormal show just by the name. So I listened to it, and now I'm hooked. But it's actually not paranormal at all. But it's done if you if you listen to um, what was that Richard Simmons one? What was the name of that? Do you remember
3: mm-hmm.
0: finding Richard Simmons? Or
3: I didn't know he Rich- was lost.
0: Well, he's just being a recluse. But anyway, if you if you like that one. This is kind of done in the same style, and I know a lot of people listen to that, so you'll know what I'm talking about. But check it out, Family Ghost. They're about 45 minutes long, and it's a really fun listen. And some of them are sad and some of them are funny, but it's basically uh, the premise of everybody has somebody in their family that they – was kind of a pain in the ass or they got some kind of a deep family secret or something. And that's what they touch on, but it's Mm -hmm. really cool. Like I said, I've listened to, I think four episodes and every one of them was kind of different. And I think, I think most of you would probably like it. So give it a listen. All right. So let's jump back into the story and we're going to talk about Nellie Cashman's restaurant. And it's actually located where the Nellie Cashman's old restaurant and boarding house was. And what's, originally called the russ house its original owner Nellie cashman was one of the old West's first female entrepreneurs and she actually was a prospector as well and she was known throughout the west as somebody who was very charitable so she gave a lot to try to help other people out some people called her an angel of mercy no. she had that kind of a, of a reputation That's good for her Now, she traveled to many mining camps in Nevada and Canada, and then she eventually made her way to Tombstone in 1880, where she opened up the Russ House. She eventually moved on to other mines, so she didn't stay a very long time in Tombstone, a short period of time. Most do not believe that it's her ghost that actually haunts this place, but they do believe that somebody haunts it. The staff and the customers have made numerous reports ...of playful ghosts who actually like to make their presence known. Staff arrive in the morning to find that things have moved from where they were the night before. Strange noises, crashing sounds, and faint voices are actually heard throughout the restaurant. Of course, lights turn on and off, uh, change in temperatures throughout the place, and spirits have been seen, but they really haven't caused any damage, so most people seem to think they're harmless... And uh, they do think they're sensitive to criticism, though, because (laughs) (laughs) so it must be a woman, I'm assuming. Well, it could be. But they said they they like to uh, make themselves especially aware of people who like to say that they don't exist. For example, there was actually one time a customer was making fun of the ghost and a um, mustard bottle jumped off the table, hit and splattered all over (laughs) her white. (laughs) top that she <laughs> had. So I thought that was kind of funny. Yeah. Other people have actually seen a, a woman. Um, people were, uh, initially thought that it must be Nellie, but there's been some paranormal investigators actually come out and they don't think so. Nellie died in, a, in Canada apparently seven years after leaving Tombstone and the building was used as a boarding house after that and after, after Nellie left. Now, allegedly, a woman living there was murdered by a man who was also living there, and that's who the paranormal investigators think. Think that's actually who it is. Oh, haunting the house. Oh, so that pretty much wraps up Tombstone.
3: Well, that can't be it.
0: What well, am I forgetting? Something?
3: Yeah, the Birdcage Theater.
0: Oh. Yeah, I guess we do got to touch on the Birdcage Theater since it is the most haunted building (laughs) in Arizona. (laughs) I was beginning
3: to wonder if he was like, what are you doing?
0: But we're going to do this first because I know people are probably tired of listening to me ramble since we've been doing it about 45 minutes now. Oh, yeah. We had the privilege of interviewing one of the paranormal's biggest TV stars out today, Miss Amy Bruni. Obviously, the host. Her and uh, Adam Berry are the host of Kindred Spirits, which is my favorite paranormal show out today. And... She couldn't have been more gracious. She was a very fun interview and I, I, I couldn't be more thankful that she actually gave us some time. So I thought this would probably be the best time to, to do that interview break up the show a little bit and uh, you can listen to Amy and then we'll come back and tell you about the birdcage theater. And guys, I couldn't be more excited uh, to bring on our next guest. This is actually something that I, I kind of semi started working on back in September and uh had a mutual contact of ours said hey you need to get uh, this young lady on the show so i said okay i will reach out and put a little more effort into this and i'm so glad that i did because i have one of the stars of my favorite paranormal show kindred spirits on the line miss amy bernie how are you doing today amy
1: i'm doing very well how are you
0: i have no complaints whatsoever uh, I, I did want to tell you, uh, I wish, and eventually I'll probably get Adam on the show too. Uh, because yeah. I love both of you guys, but you know, you guys both go back to the, uh, the ghost hunters days and liked watching both of you on there and you, you were on what over a hundred episodes. So that's quite a stint.
1: Yes. <laughs> it felt, I mean, it was a long time. I was on the show for seven years I want to say it was something like 157 episodes. Or so. It was some crazy number of episodes I was on. Uh, and it was one of those things I started doing, kind of thinking it was going to be a season or two. And uh, obviously it, it carried on for quite a while.
0: Well, I, I loved Ghost Hunters. That was, you know, that was the first real big uh, uh investigating type show out there great characters jason and grant and you know it just went on and on it seems like if somebody left somebody else came in that was also a great character and and you definitely fit that bill when you came into the show adam as well but I, i think i really like kindred spirits better because to me it's more personal Uh, The stories itself, it's more personal. And I think that you and Adam work so well together. I just love the setup. Tell me a little bit about how you guys ended up teaming up after the the ghost hunters days and how kindred spirits came to be. Yeah,
1: I mean, for us, we both well it was more me who wanted to leave ghost hunters because i you know had a child and it was getting harder and harder to be on the road because our we started being gone for longer stints and adam was basically like well you're leaving i'm leaving and so we left together and we never left with the intention of starting a new show we both had our own kind of ventures we were working on um But we kept getting approached by production companies and networks. And so finally we said, you know what, if we do this, let's do it the way we want to do it. Because it was always hard for us on Ghost Hunters because we get very emotionally involved with our cases and our clients. And Ghost Hunters was amazing, but there were quite a few times where we basically would just kind of confirm a haunting and then we would leave. Or, you know, we weren't as involved. You know, we would just investigate and hand over our evidence, but then we wouldn't get to meet with the client at the end. And, you know, we just wanted to do more. And so we came up with the concept of kindred spirits, just this idea of focusing on family cases, which we love the most, and helping people who felt they had this true emotional connection to their ghosts. And it was funny because we, we, pitched it it was the like the only show we pitched and um we sat down with destination america and they just got it they totally got it and that was how it came to be it was never like our end game or like our goal but we just felt like we were meant to do it
0: so let me ask you this when you set up this you so you pitched the show and they they like the idea so where do you go from there where do you get the cases Uh, how does that ball start rolling as far as as getting your choice of uh, what cases you want to start looking at
1: well we had a lot of cases to choose from already because we investigate obviously on and off camera so we had uh, a few case files that we referred to but then we kind of put the call out there looking for cases and so we were in this unique situation too where You know, it's funny because Destination America bought and produced our show, but then we ended up airing on TLC because they liked it so much. But anyways, (laughs) um, so Destination America bought the show concept and then we had to hire a production company. So they put us in touch with a lot of different production companies. We picked the one we liked the most, which we love, Paper Route Productions. And then they kind of teamed up with us and helped us, um, kind of weed through all these case requests because we had people we'd worked with before and then people knew people. And so you, it's a process. Adam and I would pick the ones that sounded the most, uh, like what we wanted to do. And then the production company would kind of further vet them and do some Skype interviews with the people do maybe a site visit, you know, make sure that it was adequate for us to even be there. <laughs> um, and so it was, you know, they had to go through quite a lot before they end up on the air with us.
0: You know, and, and I love the whole the whole thought process that you and Adam just converge on, on and collaborate on the cases that you like the most. And I think that shows in the chemistry of the show. That's I think that's what you, you two play off each other so well. And that makes sense when you realize that you two came together to pick the stories that you both agreed on.
1: Yeah, well, I mean, we're executive producers, which is the other thing that the only other way we would have done TV was that we wanted to kind of have a say in everything. And so we created and executive produced and picked all the cases. And thank goodness we like each other. <laughs> because, <laughs> because we're around each other probably more than, you know, anyone else almost. And, uh, and, and it's funny, because we were such dear friends, even when we're not, you know, filming or working together at an event or doing an appearance, we go on vacation together. We hang out together for fun. Like we actually like each other, <laughs> and so um, I, I think that shows. I think that's. I think that's imperative when you're dealing with subject matter like the paranormal. I think that the long-lasting paranormal shows are all people who knew each other before they were on camera together. Like you take Ghost Hunters or Ghost Adventures. You know, these are people who who kind of forged these relationships before appearing on camera. They weren't cast. Um, and I think that makes a big difference.
0: Now, are you still friends and, and um, I guess, cohorts of some sort with uh, some of the people from the Ghost Hunter days? I know, Grant, you guys do some uh, events together, which we're going to talk about here in a little bit. Uh, do you pretty much see anybody else from the show or do any any kind of collaborations with anybody else from the Ghost Hunter I- show?
1: I do. I am. Um, I just attended Chris Williams wedding, uh, you know, last month or no, that was in November. Was it November? Yeah, I think it was in November. Uh, and so Chris and I are still really close. Uh, and I see Steve and Dave a lot at events. You know, we're we're often um, hired for appearances. And I Tango and I text all the time. He constantly sends me music and stuff. And so um, but I would say Grant and Adam are the ones I obviously Adam, but Grant is probably the other one I stay in touch with the most. We text each other and and talk to each other pretty regularly because I'm also really good friends with his wife. Um, And so we're just, he's there. He's part of my tribe. (laughs) So,
0: yeah, I mean, I I touched on this a little bit, but aside from the television show that you do, you've actually got another venture that you do by the name of uh, strange escapes. And it's a very cool concept. I told you earlier, I think it's completely genius. But I'll let you tell the listeners more or less what this setup of Strange Escapes is.
1: Yeah, I mean, it's, there are things I love in life. I love traveling, and I love ghosts. And so I thought, why don't I put those things together? And I created Strange Escapes, which are basically these immersive kind of boutique vacations for people who want to get into ghost hunting a little bit more. And so we take anywhere from three day to week long trips to haunted locations and we Strange Escapes puts together this whole itinerary for you. So you arrive and you know there's usually like a little mixer the first night and you get to meet everybody. Uh, and I bring all these kind of paranormal celebrities and researchers there too. Um, you know, a grant comes to a lot of them Adam. I bring John Tenney to a lot if you're familiar with him we often bring the paranormal or the traveling museum of the paranormal and the occult. Like there's just this really great mix of people. And then you just hang out with them all weekend and you go to lectures and you do actual investigations. And, you know, we do little side tours sometimes of like historical locations. It's this whole fun weekend. That's just all paranormal based. And if they're so fun and, and we have this like and there's this camaraderie that we we have people that come back again and again uh, I'd say probably most of our escapes is what we call them at least half the people are uh, repeat offenders <laughs> as we call them <laughs> so um, but they're they're super fun and you can you can find out more about them at strange escapescom uh, but it's it's a great opportunity to learn about the paranormal and we're all very respectful of the paranormal but also just be in this space where you don't feel like a total weirdo for being into ghosts
0: well i know i was looking at uh at several of the events and i know you just finished one up at uh at uh lizzie borden's set up her, her lizzie borden's house that's cool and then, like I said, you've got stuff going on. You've got a cruise coming up that's going to go down to Rose Hall. And we just actually did that on the last episode. So a lot of our listeners will, will know exactly uh, how cool that trip would be just based on that. And I know you've got a lighthouse in St. Augustine and a cruise that I would love to go on. And I know that cruise has has you and Adam and uh grand you got I think chip coffee's on that one I mean it's it's star studded I mean these things like I said the what you put together here is genius as far as I'm concerned
1: Yeah and it's funny because these people that I hire for the escapes these are all my kind of my para family you know so these are um people that I respect intensely, but I also feel comfortable with what they have to say because I take this field very seriously. And so I just, I want to make sure that everybody that comes into these things is kind of learning, you know, the same methodologies that we use. And so um, they come with us on almost everything. And it's it's just, great, it's just, just this great atmosphere. So, yeah, we have um, the St. Augustine Lighthouse coming up in March, I think, is our next one. That one's only got, like, four tickets left. Then we're doing a Belvoir winery in Missouri, which is this huge Odd Fellows complex with a hospital, an asylum, a um, graveyard, uh, an orphanage, all in this big uh, set of buildings. But, of course, in one, there's a winery. So, of course, that's why I'm there. <laughs> but um, <laughs> but it's uh, it's really cool. Yeah. It's fun, that one, the Ghost Brothers are coming, and then also Danielle Colby from American Pickers. She's coming uh, to that one because she's one of my good friends. So she's that's going to be her first one. She's excited.
0: Well, that's awesome. Like I said, it's – and, you know, these things, I'll just let the listeners know, these things are very affordable. I mean, when you, when you look at it and you start looking at the different options you have and the prices, this is something that most people could actually do. You can probably listen and say, oh, well, I bet those things are so expensive. They're really not. So that's what I liked about and They really stood out to me as something that anybody could do uh, if they really wanted to. And with, with a little bit of planning, of course, when, cause you got trips involved, but I, I like I said, it's the, the whole setup is, is wonderful. And it's, uh, it's really set up for the average person out there who wants to uh, learn and, and hang with you guys. So I know I appreciate uh, the fact that you set something up like that for the average person, uh, because I am one of those people.
1: Well, thanks. I, I, it's a, it's a great excuse for me to get out and do what I love to do and teach people. And, you know, believe it or not, it is a travel company, but it also enables me to be home with my daughter because when we're not filming, you know, I drop her off to school and then I go to my office for a few hours and then I pick her up and you know, without a company like this, I would, you know, have to probably be all over the place, but this way, I kind of work uh, when I can and I'm I'm gone like one weekend a month and half the time I bring her. So it's just, it's a really great opportunity for me. It's, it's really just a way that I've turned what I love to do into my living. So, and I appreciate everyone who comes to these things because they make that possible for me.
0: So obviously your, your daughter, Charlotte is, is she three now or she's five, five. Oh my goodness. <laughs> I uh, yes. Y'all have some adorable videos on YouTube. So if, if, <laughs> uh, just you, you obviously when, you know, I'd heard before that you were in a mom's group. Uh, that's one of our listeners, obviously, that that wanted to get you on here. And uh, that does not surprise me at all, because you come across as the quintessential mom through the videos <laughs> and stuff we see. And, and you've tailored your career to work around uh, your life as a mom. So I, I definitely commend that. But it brings me to my next question you're obviously one of the most respected paranormal investigators out there. And this is a field that's, you know, predominantly men. Do you actually take a little bit of extra pride in knowing what you've accomplished and, and how big of a role model you are to young ladies out there? Cause I know one day your daughter will be able to look at what you've accomplished and know that she's got no boundaries. Well, I mean, it's funny
1: cause I, I, I don't think of it like that. So thank you. (laughs) I just, I honestly, I, um, I just, I look at it as as being a great opportunity for myself most of the time, you know, and I, um, and I just always encourage people to try to, again, kind of tailor their living around what they love to do. And, um, I think I, it's funny because I, I feel like a lot of the big familiar faces in the paranormal field are male, but, when you go to like one of my strange escapes, you see that it's I feel like the field is almost more women. and I just think they're kind of underrepresented a little bit on TV and whatnot. but um because I just I think that naturally we're more you know we're maternal, we're women, <laughs> and I mm-hmm. think there's a lot of that is essential to investigating. And so anyways, i i I guess I could say that I'm proud. I think I, it's hard to say that because I just, I feel like I just kind of do what I do and I'm really, I love that people love it and feel the same way about it as I do. And that, I just get a big kick out of that, you know? So, but thank you. Well, you're, more,
0: you're more than welcome. I've got a couple of quick questions for you and I'll let you go. Cause I know you've got a, uh, an episode that you have to be live tweeting for yes. later and uh, I'll be following that as well as I do every week. But I heard through the grapevine that there's a rumor that you are afraid of elevators.
1: (laughs) I am terrified of elevators. (laughs) I won't even get in one without a cell phone because I have been stuck in elevators three times now. And I think it's like, you know how they say if you get struck by lightning, you're more prone to be struck by lightning again? I have a theory that the same <laughs> happens with being stuck in elevators. So I swear, like when we go to New York city or something to do press or have meetings, it is, I like shake going in the, Cause those elevators, they zip up to the top of these like 50 story buildings and it's so scary, but yes, I am very scared of them. <laughs> All
0: right. This is going to be a, a two parter question, but we're going to end on the positive. First okay. question is going to be, what is the most either uncomfortable or scariest situation you've been in as far as the paranormal wise? Was there any case that stands out where maybe you felt like it was a malevolent spirit or a, a type of demon or uh, what have you been the most um, scared? I guess you could say in a paranormal situation.
1: That's a tough one because it takes a lot to scare me in the paranormal. Um, I I have never, I've definitely, even when I've been in a case where I thought it might be something negative or demonic, I still don't get scared. Because the second you start getting scared is when they start sensing you're weak, you know, and that's when they take advantage of that. So I always maintain that very strong poise about myself when that kind of thing happens. I did, um, I had a, someone call me. Uh, it was a dear friend of mine who his, uh, his sister was having an issue. And this is probably one of the only times I've ever actually dealt with something negative. And I, and because I've, I've worked a lot with this demonologist by the name of Adam Bly, who works closely with the Vatican. And so he's kind of told me these warning signs of what to look out for when dealing with the negative haunting. And so anyways, this friend called me letting me know that his sister was in trouble. And even as he was calling me, he said I had to leave the house. Like he had to walk outside because the lights were turning on and off in the house and doors were slamming as he called me, because these things, once they know that the person has reached out to the right person that's going to get them help, they start to act out, and so at the same time, as he's telling me this, I'm kind of keeping it cool, because I know you can't, again, show any signs of being nervous. Um, At that point, I heard Charlotte crying upstairs, and so Um, I was home by myself with Charlotte and I ran upstairs and she was fast asleep in her bed. And so I went back downstairs and, and I felt something tugging at my hair as he's talking to me. And again, I I don't tell him any of this is happening and I know it's whatever his sister was dealing with knows that I'm going to get them the right help. Right. And then again, I hear Charlotte crying upstairs and I run upstairs and she's fast asleep. And so, um, so that time I wasn't nervous again, cause I knew what I was dealing with because I had dealt closely with someone who specialized in this and had told me they would do this. But I also knew at that point that it was the real deal and I needed to get them help. And so I, I pointed them in the right direction and they were able to get the help they needed. Um, but yeah, so that was probably the only time I've ever dealt with something that I feel was truly negative.
0: All right, well, I told you we were going to end on the positive.
1: <laughs> okay.
0: Tell me about one of the most gratifying situations you've been in as far as a paranormal investigator, maybe a time where you've brought somebody some fantastic news or, or some type of uh, just making somebody feel like that that they've had closure. Oh,
1: Definitely. Um, in Kindred Spirit Season 1, there's an episode called The Basement, And that was probably one of the most gratifying moments I've had. It was this this woman, her brother had been murdered in the basement apartment of her house by her other brother. And there's kind of a big story involved in everything. But she felt partially responsible for this. And she also knew that he was haunting that area of the house. And so she had not been down there in years. And we were able to investigate and get gather some evidence for her that finally kind of gave her the strength to go down there. And she went down into the basement and had this moment, um, and it was definitely some closure and very powerful moment. And we all cried with her. But without just you know a few key pieces of evidence, and you know she never would have. Had the courage to go back down there, so it was a it was a big thing. Imagine having your house and having half of it that you don't even go into and that's what was going on with her.
0: That was a wonderful episode. I remember that one, and that's and, and you know it's funny that you mentioned that one because when I said that what I liked about kindred spirits is it was more personal, that is the episode that was in my head.
1: yeah, we love that family we love all our families, but yeah, we love them they were. They were a lot of fun, and we were glad to be able to help them.
0: Amy, tell everybody where they can see Kindred Spirits and uh, how they can get a hold of you on social media.
1: Yeah, I mean, right now, Kindred Spirits is airing Monday nights at 10 on Destination America. Um, These are season two episodes, but Destination America has added a ton of bonus content and behind the scenes interviews with behind the scenes interviews with us um, that upload to the Destination America go app and Destination dot com after these episodes. So it's totally worth rewatching them and then going to the website to check all this stuff out. Um, and you can find me on social media on Twitter and Instagram. It's all at Amy Bruni. And um, I think Facebook, too, is Amy Bruni. So, yeah, check it out.
0: Amy, I can't thank you enough for coming on. It's been fun. Uh, Like I said, I tried my best not to fanboy out here. So I think I did a pretty good job overall.
1: Thanks so much. I appreciate it. It's been fun.
0: All right. Well, thank you so much. And we'll talk to you soon.
1: All right. Thank you. We can't see tomorrow, but we can hear it. Tomorrow sounds like hydrogen being added to natural gas to make it more sustainable. It sounds like solar panels generating thousands of megawatts. And it sounds like carbon being captured and stored, keeping it out of our atmosphere. We've been bridging to a sustainable energy future for more than 20 years. Because what we do today helps ensure tomorrow is on. Enbridge. Life takes energy.
0: So if you weren't a huge Amy Bruni fan before that interview, surely you have to be now because she is... Like one of the sweetest people we've yeah, ever interviewed. Yeah, she's very sweet. She's, uh, we met
3: her at Scarefest. Mm-hmm. And, and she was very sweet.
0: And she's like all about being a mom, and mm-hmm. that comes first, and that's refreshing in yeah, today's age. very nice. Also this week, and it's not on this show, but you might have heard it as a special edition, Chad Lindbergh actually came on the show and you know chad from the fast and the furious he was jesse on there he's ash on supernatural and a whole bunch of other stuff he had his own uh, paranormal show ghost stalkers a couple of years ago where him him and a buddy of his were actually out uh, investigating some stuff and now he's got the new show out it's uh, chad lindberg's badass celebrity ghost hunt didn't that air last night? It aired. Yeah, it was Saturday night. It, it every Saturday night at seven o'clock it airs. Uh, this is something that you go online to watch or watch on your smart TV. It's not on a regular TV channel. It's more of an internet-based thing. And but it's pretty awesome because I went on the website and checked it out, and hmm. very funny. He had Chip Coffee on the very first show, nice. and he's going to have a bunch of people. He couldn't tell me who that was. Oh yeah, but, you
3: couldn't
0: tell. But or where the locations were because he don't want a horde of people showing up there, oh, which of makes course. sense. But, yeah, this thing's interactive. You can actually go um, – as you're watching the show, you can, like, vote on who goes into a place by its, by themselves and stuff like that. So <laughs> it's a pretty cool concept for mm-hmm. a ghost hunting. And there's nothing edited out. So there's cursing. There's, if somebody says, you know, gets the crap scared out of them and they just say something, it's, it's adult ghost hunting is what he said. <laughs> and now if – I may. Um, I'm going to put that interview at the end of this show for the, those of you who didn't get to hear it. We released it as a bonus episode uh, just because we were trying to get the word out before yeah. the show came out the first time. But it's every Saturday night, and we're going to go ahead and throw that interview on the end of this for those of you who didn't get a chance to hear it yet. So, and we got Grant Wilson coming soon. It's not nothing set up yet, but. Um, same manager for all these guys, so and we're gonna get chip coffee. He just don't know it yet. <laughs> <laughs> <So> <laughs> but I've been talking. I've been talking to uh, the manager, and uh, she thinks that we can make that happen. Aww. So I'll be. Excited Everybody's about that.
3: been so gracious and giving us their time and stuff for doing this. So yeah, I it hope- still blows our mind to this day. I
0: hope you guys. Like when we're able to get uh, the bigger guests and stuff mm-hmm. like that on there, because like I said, it, it is something that's exciting to us. Oh yeah, for people that we've been watching on TV, just like you watch them on TV, and now all of a sudden we're talking to them. I know. I mean, I talked to Jesse.
3: I know you from did. From Fast and the Furious. I know. How cool is
0: that? I they know. just sit there and and BS around and stuff know, like that. So it was really cool. Okay, I guess we need to talk about the Birdcage Theater. Do you have any clue what the Birdcage Theater is? No. No. A lot of cool stories about the birdcage, and there's a reason why most people consider this to be the most haunted building there. And we're going to get into all of it. Okay. So this is actually the longest story tonight. We did all a bunch of little big short stories, but this is is actually a full story on the actual birdcage. So let's get going. It's one of the oldest buildings in Tombstone, and it's the most haunted by far. It's called the Birdcage because it used to have, when it first came out, it had cages. Hanging from the ceiling, that looked like bird cages, and they would have painted ladies in them.
3: Oh, that's yeah. that's psychedelic.
0: Yeah, yeah it's psychedelic <laughs> for the 1880s. Oh, <laughs> and in 1881, Billy Hutchinson and his wife Lottie actually came to Tombstone, and they came from California, and they wanted to build the Birdcage Theater, so there would be a place for family entertainment. That was the plan.
3: Oh, well, that took a wrong turn
0: in a heartbeat. They actually had a ladies' night there to where women got in free. So they probably one of the first lady nights. Mm-hmm. You know, people do that stuff all the time now, but yeah. in the eighteen eighties I don't imagine that happened a whole lot. So they were doing that, but there just wouldn't enough business to to make take, you know, do things like they needed to and to keep the business afloat. So therefore, they just kind of uh, changed the type of entertainment that they did. And before too long the birdcage was known as the wildest wickedest night spot between Basin Street and the Barbary Coast. And that actually came from, I believe, the New York Post. It was a paper up in New York that actually said that. So they built a reputation really quick for being wild and crazy. This theater was actually designed for plays and operas. The theater, when they turned it into this more of a rowdy place, it remained... And it had a small stage, though, and an, it had an orchestra pit, like you would expect, and it had gas jet lighting, which was unusual for this type of a club. So it was kind of a high-end club. Now, what was unusual about the theater of the fine arts is that, you know, a lot of these places, especially uh, in the small theaters, they would have, like, the luxury boxes up above, like, in the balcony. It was like you would see at an opera house yeah. or something like that. And these were typically reserved by some of the the better paying or the Mm -hmm. well-off patrons, and that's what it was designed for. Well, now, because of what's happened at the birdcage and its style of clientele, we'll say, now these little boxes have curtains that you could draw.
3: Ooh, a hoodie room. Yeah,
0: that's exactly what it was. So when the women were conducting business, they could have a little privacy up there. Now, obviously... There was a lot of drinking, and of course at the uh, the Long Bar that we talked about later, there was all kinds of people that were uh, they're drinking every single night, and they would have women scantily clad actually doing all the bartending. Mm-hmm. So it literally yeah oh, you was, gotta
3: make that money yeah
0: well it was <laughs> yeah bitch better have my money <laughs> but it was it was literally now turned into a, a Hooters of eighteen eighty or something oh, of that nature. Yeah. Now, and, of course, that was Ninja snoring in between because, you know, God forbid we actually get a show through without some of his noises. <laughs> <laughs> so <laughs> he's, he's something else, i tell I you. I know. I love he, my puppy. So, anyway, uh, the theater had uh, the most famous dancer in the theater was by the name of Fatima, and they have her picture hanging up. Now, that picture today is still hanging up, but it has six bullet holes, and somebody's taking a knife to it, and that was from back in the day. That had nothing to do with recently. That was oh, that was just wow. a kind of crumb. The entertainment here was definitely a mixed bag of of quality and, and variety. They had comedians, music, dancers, acrobats, and even a professional, well-trained opera singer. can't imagine how that went over there. Mm-hmm. The cowboys. Uh, They even had a strong woman named the female Hercules come in and do some stuff.
3: Hercules, Hercules.
0: (laughs) One of these acts actually resulted in a death. No. It was called the Human Fly Act. And if you go there, like I said, it's a museum now. And if you go there, they actually have the poster still up from the Human Fly Act. And what this was... kind of hard to explain because even from everything that I've read on it, I don't have a clear picture of it, but they spent weeks drilling little holes into the ceiling Uh and the girls would strap on these um, shoes, special shoes and they could walk up the wall and the ceiling, I guess, sticking the shoes into these holes. And apparently they had a young lady that um, she had been practicing all week, went off without a hitch and it came time and, and, she went in and put her foot into one of them. And as she was trying to get her foot in the other, I guess she had a spotlight or something on her. She couldn't see. And she could tell it had been a few minutes. The crowd was getting kind of rowdy. So she went ahead and started and her foot would not all the way buckled in. And she fell to the floor and died.
3: That's horrible. Yeah. So
0: they quit doing that after that. Well,
3: that's dumb. They shouldn't have been doing it in the first place. (laughs) That's not what Hills are for people.
0: It didn't seem like the, the, the best, um, form of entertainment, but... But anyway, the, the Cowboys would be there, and the Earp Gang was also there on a regular basis. So as you could imagine, there were constant fights in the place. It was like uh, watching Roadhouse, I would think. Roadhouse. Yeah, Roadhouse. But they say right now in the building, because all the original gun shots and bullet holes and all that are still there, there's between 120 and 140 bullet holes that are throughout the building. Now... At least 26 people died inside the walls of the birdcage. Like,
3: Can't, not in one night.
0: Well, no, not in one you night. You mean
3: forever? I mean, like throughout. Yeah, but this
0: place was only there for, you know, three, four years. Oh, uh, During it? its heyday. I mean, well, seven years from the time yeah. the whole tombstone thing came and went in seven years, basically. Mm-hmm. So That's
3: cool they didn't was, cover up those
0: holes. Right. So the original stage was, uh, or underneath the stage, I should say, was the gambling room and you'll like this. Poker was actually the main game there and uh the Birdcage Theater has the record for the longest running poker game in history. It ran 24 hours a day, the dealer never stopped dealing and it lasted 8 years, 5 months and 3 days. <laughs> Supposedly over 10 million dollars passed through there and in 1880. That's, oh, that's a, hell a, hell of a lot, lot of money, money. yeah. And there was famous players there, such as Bat Masterson, the famous gambler, Diamond Jim Brady, uh, George Hearst, and, of course, Doc Holliday. So pretty cool. Mm -hmm. So when the silver boom actually ended in 1889, so did the birdcage. It was closed until 1934 when the new owners bought it. Now keep in mind, this was five decades later, 50 years later, after they closed. They opened it up to turn into a museum, and when they opened it up after 50 years of nothing going on inside there. Everything was pretty much still the same. So it was like stepping back in time. Oh, but man, there, also, there also wasn't a lot of you know, damage to anything. You would think over 50 years yeah, of something. nobody doing anything, but that really wasn't the case here.
3: That's That's really great.
0: So let's talk about some of the hauntings, and there's some awesome stories in this place. All this goes back to 1921. There was a school built right across the street, and kids actually would walk by, and they would hear music. Coming from the place. Now keep in mind, it didn't get rebought until 1934, so it was sitting there boarded up in oh, 1921. Wow. And so in 1921, there was nothing going on in there. There were nobody in there. There was no visitors, like, nothing. You
3: mean like maybe like a piano playing? Yeah. Like, like bars? Yeah, stuff? they could
0: hear like the piano playing and uh, they could hear. Um, People talking and stuff like that. So what would happen is they would go to the school and they would tell the teachers, and the teachers would be like, um, no, "No, there's no <laughs> possible way." But what happened is this would happen on a regular basis. Mm-hmm. So teachers actually went over and started checking stuff out. So you had children and teachers oh, so saying, "They did hear." Yeah, they were children and teachers saying they could hear the music. Uh, they would look through the windows, pry some of the boards off, look through the windows. They they could swear they could see shadows of people in there dancing and Aww. sitting at the bar. They could smell cigar smoke. And all this at a place where there should have been nobody. Yeah. Now then, uh, the Hundley family, who actually owns it, they they've encountered a bunch of stuff. The staff's encountered a bunch of stuff, and one of which involves a um, a dice table. Now this dice table, they left. They came back the next day, and it was moved. And it's this thing weighs several hundred pounds. And it was moved underneath of a sign they have that says, uh, don't disturb our twenty six resident ghost. And this table had been moved over there. It took eight men to move it back. Dude. So, yeah. So on another occasion, there's a very valuable antique poker chip that just showed up on the, the table that they have there, the poker table. It wouldn't like the other poker chips that were there. The other ones were antique too, but this one was definitely different.
3: Mm-hmm.
0: So they take it, and this thing—I should—I should even go back a little further. They had this chip before, and it disappeared. And now it just reappeared on this table. So they take it, they call, and they put it in a safe. They called uh, an antique uh, historian to come in to take a look at it. Mm-hmm. And when they showed up, they went to get it out of the safe and the chip wasn't there.
3: Oh, get out.
0: And then after the historian left, the chip reappeared in a locked desk drawer. Uh, yep.
3: That ghost ain't playing.
0: He was doubling up.
3: Yeah, he was.
0: <laughs> He's taking the insurance bet. <laughs> <laughs> and then, um, this is this is actually one of my favorite stories. They decided they were going to put a Wyatt Earp statue in there. Mm-hmm. Now they built the statue. I don't know what it's made out of, but they put a real cowboy hat on the statue because they just thought it would be cool. And they put it up uh, in one of those little um, boxes that I was telling you about, overlooking the balcony. They put it up, put him up in this box where he could overlook the theater. They'd come back in the next morning. And the hat was right in the middle of the floor down in the theater. And so they're, you know, they're checking windows, making sure there's no like, windows yeah, open, the window you know. Like
3: wind blew it or check, something. Making sure
0: there's no fans on, and all that stuff. And uh, so they do that. This goes on every day for six months. Every day for six months. They come in, the hat's off, they got to go put it back. And it's always right in the center of the floor,
3: in the same spot.
0: Yep. One time they come in there and his statue was turned completely around, (laughs) not overlooking the theater, but facing away. Mm -hmm. Well, they're given a tour and on on one of the tours, there's a historian, a town historian in there. And he points out that Wyatt Earp is in the wrong box. That's not the box that he normally reserved. That was a box that the Clanton's gang usually reserved, which was his enemy. Yeah. So they moved him to the other box, and the hat stayed on from that point on. There was never another issue with it.
3: Oh.
0: So apparently Wyatt Earp didn't like being in that box of his sworn enemies. That's funny. Now we're going to talk about the most famous story. I'm not going to say it's the most famous, but it's my favorite story involving it. And there's a lot of uh, ifs and ands and buts with this story. But this involves little Gertie. She was a dancer over at the Crystal Palace. Remember we talked about that that bar earlier? Yes. And little Gertie actually is known by a more popular name of Gold Dollar. Sounds like a, a James Bond movie. Mm-hmm. It's not. She was named Gold Dollar because she had really beautiful blonde hair. Mhm. But she also earned a Gold Dollar for her services. Wink wink, if mm-hmm. you know what I mean. Mhm. She worked as a dancer at the Crystal Palace, but she also did, you know, other stuff, like a lot of the dancers back then did. Now, she actually was living with a gentleman who was a professional gambler by the name of Billy Mill Green. Now, our little girl Gold Dollar might have been petite, but she was pretty much feared by every single dancer In that area because she'd had several altercations with him And she made it 100% clear That Billy was her man And it was hands off to every other girl So everything was good in Tombstone Between Billy and Gold Dollar Until One day this beautiful young Mexican woman By the name of Margarita Moved to Tombstone and took a job at the birdcage Billy and all the other men Were completely infatuated By her beauty She was said to be this knockout Especially for the time and Margarita completely set her sights on Billy. It's not that she wasn't aware that uh, Gold Dollar was his woman; she just didn't care. And Gold Dollar threatened to cut her heart out and kill her. <laughs> so,
3: well, I mean, I think if she cut her heart out, that would kill her.
0: That's, that's a good point. You're, you're all over that. So Margarita didn't care, and she kept right on flirting with Billy. Now, Billy, on the other hand, he kind of knew what Gold Dollar was actually capable of, and he agreed to stay away from Margarita. One night, Billy found out that there was this huge poker game out at the birdcage, and Gold Dollar didn't like it, but she knows that's how he makes his money, so she agreed to let him go on and, and go ahead and go to the poker game. Now he promised that he would stay completely away from Margarita, and uh, Go Dollar was actually working at the Crystal Palace, so she wasn't going to be able to be there that night. So it was important to her that he keep his promise. So Billy's there; he's playing cards, and Margarita starts kind of prancing around, obviously trying to get Billy's attention. It's not working. Billy's doing a good job, and uh, he's. Got to admit, though, at this point in time, it's kind of hard for him to focus Mm -hmm. on the cards at hand. And this time, though, she comes over and sits straight in his lap. She just flops in his lap since he's not paying her any attention. And she's like, I just don't understand. How are you not paying attention? I mean, I'm beautiful. I've got long black hair, beautiful brown eyes, ample bronze breast. I did that myself. (laughs) I don't know that she said that. (laughs) But that's where my head completely went.
3: I bet it did. (laughs)
0: Now, here's where we start getting different different type stories on it. Now, some say that Gold Dollar didn't trust him and was actually, didn't go to work that night and was spying.
3: Oh, that's what us women do.
0: Right. And then other people say that one of the other dancers at the birdcage sent word to her that this Mm -hmm. was going on. Regardless of what the deal was, she actually... Came in to the bar, ran up to Marguerite, and now you got two different stories as to what happened. I said Marguerite, Margarita. Marguerite. Yeah,
3: Margarita.
0: So you got two different stories as to what happened. One story says that she came right in, took the knife, and stabbed her right in the heart as she was sitting on Billy's lap. And then she actually tried to physically cut her heart out. The other story says that she came in, grabbed Margarita by the hair, pulled her in the floor, they kind of struggled. And she stabbed her, pulled out a knife. Uh, it was a double-edged stiletto knife. And stabbed her in the side. And when she did, Marguerite bled out. Either way, she killed Marguerite right there while she was sitting there. Margarita. Damn it. Sorry.
3: God.
0: I feel like I know her. I just thought I could shorten her name a little bit.
3: No, you don't know her. I'm just thinking of her boobs. That's all you're
0: thinking about. Yeah. Yeah, I mean, I don't know why. I, I would think. I would think that would make me add a two Ds, not... Take an A off.
3: <laughs> um, Margarita. <laughs> because I thought she's got an A. I'm
0: not thinking about him. Yeah. Anyways, um, so th- the sheriff comes, and she had fled the scene. Well, he ends up catching her and arrest her. But sometime before she fled, she hid the knife. So they arrested so her. So why
3: did she hide the knife?
0: You're, you're getting ready to here. So they arrested her, and she they couldn't even charge her for murder because they couldn't find the weapon.
3: Okay, that's ridiculous. Everybody sat there and seen the whole thing.
0: I understand that. This is the Wild West. They didn't call it the Wild West for no reason. Otherwise, it would have been a tame West. But that's not how things worked, apparently, back then. So they couldn't find it, so they couldn't charge her with murder. She ended up leaving town, and then a couple months later, Billy followed her, left town, and they were never seen again. Now, where this gets actually kind of funny is about 100 years later, Out behind the birdcage, they found the knife. It just appeared. Now, there's two different stories on that as well.
3: Nobody looked.
0: Well, 100 years later, somebody wouldn't have stumbled across it. But supposedly, a a worker just went out back, and it was just like there. And then there's another story that said they were doing some construction done, and they actually found it. So I don't know what the story was, but the knife is now actually on display inside the museum. So if you actually go there, you can see it. And supposedly today, Margarita actually still haunts the place, and you can smell her cheap lilac perfume, which she was famous for wearing back in the day.
3: That's that's the craziest thing I've ever heard. Well, you just gonna have all those people sit there and look at her do that, <laughs> and she just strolls out the daggone they, back
0: door. This happens in 1880. We don't know how true the story even oh. is. First of all, the lead character's name is Gold Dollar. I mean, I I don't know if you picked up on that. Well, I did. That doesn't exactly sound like the most reputable story right off the bat. (laughs) So, I don't know.
3: (laughs) Don't get me all riled up over here.
0: Now, they've had a bunch of uh, ghost hunters type shows Mm -hmm. come. uh, But one of them, like um, actual ghost adventures with Zach and all the guys, Uh they came there and just to show you how messed up this place is, they came in 2009 and 2015. They came back. When well, 2015, uh, the 2015 episode actually was filmed in 2014. And when they came there, there was a guy that gave them the tour. He was 74-year-old Leroy Colomy. Now, he had been an employee of the Birdcage for 20 years. But in between the time that the guys from Ghost Hunters took their tour and filmed and came back to get some additional footage, Leroy was actually shot and killed on July ninth, 2014 at one sixteen p.m. He had a verbal altercation with a 60-year-old man by the name of Barry Chappelle, who shot and killed him and then went into an establishment and called 911 and told them that he had shot and killed somebody. So 74 years old, been to Burghage 20 years, gets into an altercation and gets shot in between the time the Ghost Hunter goes, so they come and they've got a, a host yeah. that shows them around and gives them a tour. And the next time they come back, that guy's been killed.
3: That's the craziest thing.
0: So, that is the story of the Birdcage Theater.
3: Very interesting.
0: So, I hope you guys enjoyed this episode. We threw a lot out there. That's a lot of stuff on Tombstone, and we probably could have done another hour if we really wanted to I know, stretch it I'm out. out of breath, and that's just from walking up the steps. Yeah,
3: that's true. <laughs> <laughs> We'd Throw me under the bus, babe.
0: <laughs> what? You don't need to take the bus anyway. You need to walk places and take the steps so you get in better shape. <laughs> we thank you guys so much for listening to us. You have given us a really good week, and it was tough uh, at the beginning of the week, but you guys helped pull us through it. We greatly appreciate it.
3: Yes, thank you so much, guys, for being there for us and being there um kinda of help Jerry through my situation a little bit, but um well I'm I'm here, so I don't know.
0: Yeah, we'll do what we need to do to to uh, stay healthy. We both uh we both are making some changes, so there we go. So I wanted to thank Amy Bruni for coming on. Like I said, I'm gonna put the Chad Lindbergh uh interview on right as soon as this ends so you guys can listen to that. What do you think about the beginning of the show when I mixed the actual theme from the movie Tombstone with John Bon Jovi.
3: Yeah, I like that. Pretty
0: so. good. Sometimes I can be creative. Sometimes.
3: You have a gray hair on the side of your head, and it's driving me crazy. The light's been hitting first it. First of the all,
0: whole time. I have a hard time thinking I have any hair. Well, you on the do side have one, head.
3: and it's so bright and shiny, and I'm about ready to pull it out. Just no, letting you not. know, I'm giving either you not. the warning.
0: Not happening.
3: Heads up. <laughs> yeah, Get good, it.
0: Heads man, up. By the time there's some kind of screaming going on in his bedroom. Oh, hey. All right, guys. Thank you so much. Next week, Carl Tansler. Um, If you don't know this story, you will absolutely love it. I should save it for Valentine's Day. It's definitely a Valentine's Day story. But we're going to do Carl Tanzler next week. And I'll probably throw some other stuff in there. But keep listening. Keep telling all your friends. Go to the store. Buy some stuff. Be patrons. All of the other stuff we're trying to do. So
3: We love you guys so much.
0: See you next week. All right, guys, I am excited, as can be, to have our our next guest on. When I found out I had the opportunity to have Chad freaking Lindbergh on the show, I jumped at it. Chad, welcome to Hillbilly Horror Stories.
2: Thank you so much for having me. It's an honor.
0: Dude, you have no clue what my day has been like. I have been so (laughs) excited. about. I'm like calling all my friends, like all my fast and furious friends. uh, yes. Friends, I'm like, I'm like, hey, guess who I'm interviewing tonight? Jesse from Fast and Furious. And then I'm calling all the Supernatural fans. Guess who I'm interviewing? Ash. <laughs> you know, and I'm going on. Hey, hey all my Ghost Hunter friends. I, you remember uh, Ghost Stalkers? Chad Lindbergh on the show tonight. Yes. And then, like, yes. the CSI people. I'm like, hey, uh, um, you watch CSI, right? Guess who I got? Chad. Has he been on the show? I'm sure he's been on one of them. He's been on, like, every damn police show out there. It's
2: true. It's true. A lot of procedurals.
0: It is funny because, I mean, you've been on, like, NCIS. You've been on, I think, Criminal Minds and uh, SVU. So you actually have a knack for doing those types of shows.
2: I do. If there's a guy that they need that's weird, that needs to be interrogated, that was up to no good, but you want to believe, that's going to crack under pressure, call (laughs) Chavenberg.
0: There you go. Well, Well, at least you're not typecast. (laughs)
2: <laughs> no, no. And you know, it's funny because I, you know, I play a lot of computer geeks over the years. I've played a lot of the accused over the years and then I've gotten to play some pretty wacky out there characters. So it's, you know, it's a lot of fun to be a, um, a character actor, you
0: know? Well, let me, let me say this though, about the stuff you've been in. And, and I'm sure this has been pointed out to you or you've, you've thought about it yourself, not necessarily dwelled on it, but, Dude, you have been in some iconic shows out there. I mean, when you talk about like Fast and the Furious, uh, Supernatural, uh, you've been on uh, at least one episode of X-Files. These shows have huge cult followings, and there can't be a whole lot of people that's been on multiple shows, be it movies or TV shows, that have those kind of followings. Has, Has that ever dawned on you about, you know, how cool of a thing that is?
2: I appreciate that and and yeah, it does now, because of what they've become and i've I thank my lucky stars you know since I started working in this crazy career that I've been able to be a part of some really amazing projects, and they've always taught me a huge lesson, and you know the fast and the furious, that movie changed my life forever. And you know who knew that they would continue making movies and that it would become this phenomenon? And now it's a it's a classic. And, and you know not a day goes by where somebody doesn't see Jesse and say, "Hey Jesse." Um, and same with Supernatural. You know when I was on the show in season two, it was just season two of a of a show that was on um, uh, the net. What was it back then? Not the CW. It was a WB. <laughs> it was a WB. And And now it's like become this worldwide phenomenon, and I'm just incredibly lucky. And uh, to 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 play those cool characters and have people respond to them and have them mean something to people, it's it goes both ways. So it's 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 just an honor.
0: Well, I'm not going to dwell too much on the past stuff because I want to really focus on Mm -hmm. stuff you've done recently and focus on the paranormal. But I do have one question for you concerning yeah. The Fast and the Furious. Sure, of course. Now, they've done approximately 365 sequels, I believe. <laughs>
2: yeah.
0: Do you ever look back and say, damn, why did I have to get killed off in the very first one? I could have been in maybe several of these things.
2: Oh, 100%. 100%. Um, you know, it's funny. I have this sort of mixed reaction when a new movie comes out. Part of it's like, yeah, like you, I get excited, and of course, I'm excited for everybody in it, and I'm very excited that this movie has carried on on a legacy that nobody saw coming. And then there's another part of you that's like, oh man, like, why did I have to die? (laughs) Why did I have to die? And 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 they could bring you back, and they, they, you know, they've, they've brought so many people back. So you know, I think the fans would eat it up. I think. You know, there's still a possibility. Um, but I've, I've also accepted Jesse's death a long time ago. And because they've made so many movies, it's made the original that much more iconic. It's introduced it to, you know, kids and, and, and you know, uh, teenagers now that probably didn't see the original. So it's kept me sort of recognizable in, in this crazy franchise um, so, it, you know, I win no matter what. And it's all love. And, and actually, recently, um, one of my friends that I found on Instagram, his name's Dominic Dubrey, he rebuilt uh, the, the eclipse from the movie. And then I reached out to him and said, man, you got to rebuild the, the Jetta. And within months, him and his team rebuilt the Jetta. And uh, we've started the the Bring Back Jesse movement, and um, this is where we want to take these cars out and, and reach um, uh, 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 charities and, and kids, and sort of um, you know carry on a legacy. And so, um, so yeah, it's kind of cool. It's it's there's a lot of this nostalgia there, and I'm I'm just thrilled to be a part of that. You know,
0: very cool, man. And and, and yeah. I, I like that you're using that to try to, to help. As well with the with the bring back Jesse deal, that's that's pretty awesome. So, man after my own heart, love love to do charity work.
2: I appreciate that, man. All
0: right, so let's jump into the paranormal side. We are a, we are a paranormal show. <laughs> yeah. And you had a show, uh, Ghost Stalkers. Yeah. And you. From my understanding of, from the beginning of the show, and that's all I really have to go by, you know, you you have a fascination with the paranormal stuff stemming from a near-death experience back in in 1983. Can you touch on that a little bit for me?
2: Sure. Um, you know, I've always had experiences since I was young. I got sick when I was about seven um i came down with rye syndrome and i was pretty much pronounced dead within hours to my parents and i sort of rode the line between life and death for about a, a couple of weeks i came out of it survived um continued having experiences in my whole life and then just just kind of stuff that away came to another scary place called hollywood and um became an actor and and been doing that a gazillion years. Um, and the, always through that time, watched all the ghost shows and loved all the ghost shows. And then Ghost Adventures came along. And I remember watching the first episode and turning to my sister, who turned me on to that show and said, uh, One day I'm going to go out and investigate with these guys. And I studied every episode. And finally, I reached out to them. Um, and they very graciously opened the door and invited me onto their show. Um, where it was the Return to Linda Vesta episode here in Los Angeles. And from there, I, 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 I started getting invited to all these great places to investigate. I, I put on my gear like everybody else. And I just went out there and I learned everything that I possibly could because I loved it that much. And cut to a few years later, I get a, a call out of the blue from Nick Roth and he says um hey man i'm I'm doing this show called ghost stalkers and i want you to be the star and I, i lost i i lost my mind i'm like this is a dream come true and so from there they put me and and john tenney uh who's this amazing brilliant paranormal researcher for the last 30 years and they put him and i in these crazy locations one by one and And what you saw is me going out uh, overnight by myself into these haunted locations and um, going for it. And now this is what I do Um, pretty much full time. I travel almost every other weekend to different haunted locations and I leave people out on investigations. And it's become a huge, huge part of my life.
0: Let me ask you a question from your ghost stalker's days. Uh, I've got a friend of mine that lives in Gatlinburg. He's wanting to take me to uh, Wheatland Plantation, and you yeah. guys went there for an episode. Tell me a little bit about about your feelings on that place.
2: Um, extremely haunted, I can tell you that. They have a, a huge geode uh, under the bottom of the property that expands, we uh, think, all the way down into this Native American burial ground. that They have this beautiful cemetery with this huge tree. And supposedly, this tree, um, there's a huge portal, and, and there's an actual uh, photo of this big white light sort of emanating from the, the, the base of this tree. And then there's this uh, Native American uh, graveyard, and it just brought me a whole bunch of love in and um, love, drunk love, I could say is the, the best way to describe it. And then the house. Was creepy, man. You know, it was intense because we were in there alone, and yeah. some of these places I ha- I would have a hard time understanding how people live there, and and um, people do, and so you know, I, I don't know. It was it was creepy, and then of the of the slave quarters were very intense. Um, I kind of felt like I was getting my ears bashed in a little bit. Very heavy. Um, it's a very fascinating place. I would, you know, I would recommend going there, and it's beautiful. I mean, it's a gorgeous property.
0: Yeah, he he's pretty big on on paranormal, and especially in Tennessee. And he said, for his money, he thought that was the most haunted place in Tennessee. So I'm I'm excited about going there because we're going in in May uh, begin or the yeah first week of May. We're actually going to go down to Loretta Lynn's place and spend the night there so i'm looking forward to just racking up on my tennessee miles here coming up soon
2: well i, I well speaking of tennessee and i'm you know I, because you brought up tennessee and i have to say um as far as one of the most haunted places that i have ever been in fact the most haunted place i have ever been uh now that it's moved up the charts for me is in tennessee and it's called called old south pittsburgh hospital have you heard of it no i haven't Look it up. Old South Pittsburgh Hospital in uh, South Pittsburgh, um, uh, Tennessee. And it's an old hospital. And, you know, without – that that would be a whole different phone call. I've I basically – let me put it this way. I vow to never go back. I've been there twice. Uh, I now have a tattoo on my arm to remind myself to keep it positive and not to go back there. So if you want an ultimate – ultimate place that is somewhere you need to check out
0: oh wow that does sound (laughs) that sounds right up my alley
2: yeah man it's 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 deep i mean i the the experience that i have there uh with ghost hunts usa um which is you know i I work with all kinds of different um uh groups and um uh they're amazing and we've had a lot of fun and we've gone there twice and i tell you man um it's, it's a sliver of hell and I don't say that about a lot of places. And I, you know, I I got I got real real close to the flame, and I pushed the flame a little bit too hard at that place, and, and it really did school me. But you know, also those particular places I find are your best teachers as well.
0: No, well, I would think so. Yeah, you yeah you learn what not to do if nothing else. <laughs>
2: Yeah, you know, and and, and when we coming come into contact with with spirits or entities, whatever these things are, um, it affects you in 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 ways that people truly don't understand unless you go in there and experience it, and then it's, it can get pretty hairy. And then and the I think the romanticism of of ghost, quote unquote ghost hunting sort of goes out the window, and it's thrilling, but then you also sort of get wrapped up in its in its realness
0: well let me ask you this because you you kind of cut your teeth uh with ghost adventures now yeah. the the knack of that show is to push that's kind of what zach is known for is he likes to antagonize and and push what is your style
2: my style is and you know listen everybody has their own style and um uh for me um and how i was on ghost uh on on uh, yes, ghost stalkers, um, was love and respect. And for me, that was my way of saying in every location and they would have to actually edit this out. I would say, I'm here out of love and respect. I'm here out of love and respect. And that I felt like was my only safety. And, um, and listen, I, you know, I, I watched, all of their episodes because of their style and and, and loved it and um, uh, I found uh, for me as I've moved through it I go in and that's how I say I say I'm here out of love and respect and um but as also and I will say as I have uh, grown and moved on you know um there are times that it has gotten darker and I have pushed the truth I've pushed because I want to get to that bottom truth and sometimes you get burned, and so you know i i don't I don't provoke, but I, I push, and it, you know I don't know if if that is a difference, but <laughs> you know I think I think everybody has has provoked in a way, um, but I I I I always say I'm here out of love and respect when I go into a location. And, and I want the spirits to know that. And, and then you get some spirits that don't always agree with you, and that's okay. And then you sort of push back. But, um,
0: yeah. Well, let's talk about the now and the future. Mm-hmm. So you've got, you've got a new show that's coming out this Saturday. Uh, yes. Ch- best name ever. Chad Lindbergh's <laughs> Badass Celebrity Ghost Hunt. Now, I've got to assume that that domain name was available when you went to get it.
2: (laughs) Yes. Um, My buddy and I, uh, Dave Abbott, who we've been sitting around for the last couple of years, came up with this idea and this name, uh, Chad Lindenberg's Badass Celebrity Ghost Hunt. And um, Nick Groff and Elizabeth Saint created uh, the Vidi Space and the Haunted Space, which is basically a paranormal network. And um, I I discussed this idea with them, and they flipped out. And um, here we are. And and basically, the premise is exactly what the title sounds. I want something fun. I want a throwback. Um, you know, we have a lot of, uh, the paranormal, it's, there's a place for it to be serious. And then I want it to be fun. I want it to be, I want, I want people to laugh. I, I, and people were laughing at me at ghost Dockers of course, but, um, (laughs) I want this to be like a rock and roll kind of good time. and, And basically, um, it's going to be a 90 minute live show. And I'll be taking real celebrities into extremely haunted locations and in a sort of um, Bear grills kind of style and take them out and show them the ropes. And then there will come an opportunity for the celebrities to go in by themselves. And they're going to have a camera and um, I'm going to be nearby. But the whole point is to, you know, I, I know what I felt during ghost Stalkers and how hard that was before going into a location when we actually got there and I had to go in, let me tell you, man, all of the smiles went out the window. I was terrified, but then I came out learning so much about myself and about fear and feeling like I tackled something and, and having these experiences. So I want, I want to take celebrities through that. I want to take my guests through, through that. And I think it would be fun for people to see their favorite celebrities have fear face and <laughs> be scared because all your facades fall down when you walk into these places. You cannot be cool. You can't be anything but frightened, <laughs> you know?
0: Well, so the very first episode, your celebrity is Chip Coffee, which yeah. most people will know. Now, obviously, Chip is no stranger to the paranormal spotlight. Uh, so he's not going to really have too much fear or anything because of what he's been through. Yes. Who do you have or, or can you divulge some of the uh, people you've got celebrity wise coming up in the future that maybe aren't associated with the paranormal already?
2: Sure. Um, I do have some people lined up. Uh, I wish I could say who they are right now. But I, I can't. Um, but there are some people lined up that everybody knows um, and chip coffee um, is graciously coming on to sort of uh, set the bar. And, 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 and Chip Coffee, I have um, had the pleasure of uh, doing an event with, and I've met Chip through the paranormal field. And, and I have watched Chip over the years. You know, Chip uh, is somebody that my whole family watched over the years. And to be able now to work with him is a, is a great honor because he's amazing and he's incredible what he does. And also, uh, one thing that people may or may not know about Chip Coffee is that he is sassy as hell, and and, and he curses probably more than I do, which is almost impossible. <laughs> if I, impossible. Um, <laughs> but this is basically going to be me and Chip unfiltered, and uh, and and the way that we're going to lay the first episode out. And of course, you know, it would take a lot to rattle Chip Coffee. Um, so I am going to go in um, alone and set the example for all of my celebrities and say, this is what you're going to do. I'm going to lead by example. And uh, and then there's going to be a cool um, when people are actually watching this show. It's a whole interactive uh, space, basically. So they'll be able to vote who they want to go in alone. Uh, In this episode, me or Chip And then people can vote and we go in So it's going to be a lot of fun
0: What location will this first episode be filmed at?
2: I wish I could tell you that (laughs) And I will And I have all this information um, But we are trying to keep the the locations Under wraps right now Um, Just to sort of uh, uh, Not create a, um, a scene So to speak
0: so that's okay. This I can understand yeah. that. So this ep- these will be running every Saturday night. At what time?
2: Correct. Uh, every Saturday night at seven p.m. Eastern time.
0: Okay, and just to make sure we're clear for all the listeners out there, this is actually on a website that you would go to. It's not on actual TV, but you'll go to website, and the name of the webs are the. Uh, uh, what is the website again? It's.
2: It's the haunted dot space
0: the haunted dot space. So just log on to your computer, the haunted dot space. You'll be able to watch the show live and you'll be able to interact uh, with your keyboard there. So very cool, Chad, this is a, a fantastic idea. And, uh, I can't wait to watch uh, this first episode, and I'm sure I'll be tuned in every Saturday night.
2: Thank you. Thank you. Oh, it's very exciting. I'm, I'm stoked. And um, yeah, I just want people to come on and have fun and have a laugh because a lot of these investigations that we don't see on the show is all this laughing because of how scared we got or how insane what we experienced was. So I just want people to come and have a good time.
0: It seems like a very cool, like, behind-the-scenes type deal where you don't get to see that much of it. You see the edited version and don't get to see a lot of what you'll get to see on this show.
2: It's very true. And one thing, you know, especially in Ghost Stalkers, you know, you would see me scared, but then you wouldn't see me, like, sort of being like, yeah, and, like, saying, you know, all these curse words and... (laughs) You know, I want to show that aspect too being scared, but also sort of the charge that comes with it and the excitement. And also um, there will be no beeps. It will be live. So there will be cussing. It's going to be, um, you know, a very adult uh, paranormal show as well. Um, It's 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 cussing. It's it's a whole different venue. And um, I get to be wild and unhinged. And that's me at my
0: best. Will you scream as much as you did on Ghost Stalkers?
2: Here's the thing. Here's the thing. You know, a lot of people ask that. And, you know, in Ghost Stalkers, like, these whole buildings, I was alone. I was alone. Um, And when I'm alone, when people are alone, it's a whole different deal. Now, I've grown a lot since then. And it does take a lot for me to sort of (laughs) scream. But... I'm, an, I'm a very visceral person, and so when I get those reactions or if somebody if somebody comes up and lifts up my shirt, man, I, I don't think there's anybody who wouldn't scream. So, um, But uh, the cool thing about this is that I'm going to be everybody's safety net. Um, so, you know, uh, I'll be close by, and when I send people in, man, I, I just want them to have a blast because when you're alone, Things act up differently around you than when you have me there or when you have a, um, a one-person crew sort of following us around with the camera.
0: No, I could definitely understand that. And hopefully one day when you do uh, Chad Lindbergh's Badass Semi-Celebrities But Only in the Podcast <laughs> World, you'll have me on the show.
2: I will definitely call you. Absolutely.
0: <laughs> All right, Chad, before we get off here, I've got one question. we got a lot of questions. Uh, young lady listeners, and uh, sure. they would kill me if I didn't ask this. Boxers or briefs?
2: Oh, um, boxer or briefs.
0: Well, fair enough.
2: They, yeah, yeah. Both of them combined. I don't like big old boxers, and I don't like the tidy whities so...
0: We at least have one thing in common then. So that's probably the only thing we have in common. Perfect.
2: Yes. I'm sure a lot, a lot more, a lot more, but we can start there.
0: (laughs) Brother. I I can't tell you how happy (laughs) I was to have you on the show. I wish Uh, you tremendous success in this new venture. And then,
2: uh, means a lot.
0: Hopefully we can hook up sometime in the future after this thing gets rolling. and We'll get you back on again.
2: I would absolutely love that. And thank you to all your listeners. And thank you once again for having me on your show. No problem. Appreciate it.